0: Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 62 of an interview podcast with On the Ball Team Building. Big shout out to G Sports and Finchley Harper Asset Management for the continued support. We really appreciate it, guys. This week, we're delighted to be joined by TV chef and food entrepreneur Owen Sheehan. The palace skinnery man founded Country Munch at age 18, a business that accidentally started during his time in first year in college and has grown dramatically. As resident chef on Virgin Media's 6 o'clock show, Owen showcases easy-to-do home-cooked meals. Aside from TV work, he teaches cooking demos and workshops to corporates and companies throughout the country. There's no doubt we've a huge amount to cover, so let's bring him on. Hi Owen, welcome to the Interview podcast. How are you keeping?
1: Super, Jamie, super. Oh, good now. It's a nice lovely morning here in Limerick, so I can't complain. The, the
0: past three... Um Past year or so, I suppose it has been extremely challenging from businesses and and people. Um, how has it been for for you? say in a personal capacity first of all, and then in a business, you know, capacity.
1: Yeah, it has. It has been a strange year. Um, I suppose personally, it it initially, you know, it definitely it definitely makes you think, and 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 it definitely puts, I suppose, question marks and roadblocks in the way. Um, you know, we had this lovely kind of spell and exponential growth throughout the i suppose last three years now granted we had we had our roadblocks there and, and it was never ever a, an easy easy sale but the the path for growth was really obvious for us it was like keep doing what we're doing it's working blah 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 um and then there's this pandemic that hits and it was there the massive spanner in our work so yeah for myself I never panicked. There was never a major any worry in the in the sense that everything we were doing just paused. Um, so I never theoretically lost any business if that makes sense. You know, it was just gyms were closed. So as soon as we reopen, we'll start back on again. Same with teams. Um, so I I took the break when, when it first when we first closed whenever the first lockdown was in twenty twenty. Um, I took about four five six weeks off. Went home to to the farm, um, just chill out there. It was the first time I'd taken a break in in well over a year, year and a half, I'd say. So I, I I I took that and and I enjoyed it. And we we kept tipping over ever so slightly, and then we just kind of found our feet again. And more so, I got itchy feet. And I'm like this, we we better start getting the ball rolling in here now. Like um, so we started doing domestic orders whatnot. So yeah, I suppose from a personal point of view, I took the break when I got a chance, um, I never really panicked or strayed away too much from, from what our model is. It was a case of, I think everyone was in the same boat. Um, you know, it wasn't a case where my business was solely under pressure. The whole world and, and the whole restaurant and food industry was, was under pressure. And, and then more so than myself, because I don't have a physical restaurant or I don't have a high number of staff. So it wasn't too crazy. Everyone was really good staff wise. Uh, and then we slowly started tipping way back into it again, and, and and we found new niches and new markets, and and then it's been probably the busiest year that we've we've ever had, and um, to date the last year has been insane. Um, and again, it, it, I I think it all just stemmed from taking a step back, having a look at the model now, having a look at what's happening and what we can do, and then just kind of saying to ourselves, right, let's let's just take it week by week. How can we figure this out? How can we start again? Um and yeah, it's 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 thank God for what it's 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 been a great year.
0: Good, good, good. And you know, in in what way is it, is it very you know busy? now like has it has your market? We say your your business model changed from pre-COVID.
1: It has to a degree. Um, there was always, and how I always describe it, there was there was two businesses theoretically. There's Country Munch, which is the meal prep service, and then there's. Own Sheehan, which is the TV chef and, and the brand itself, which is you know comes with the social media and, and, and all that jazz. So Country Munch itself slowed down drastically. That feeds teams and store stocks in gyms and does domestic orders or homes. So all of that kind of went on pause initially. Um, and then the brand owned Sheehan, that you know, we do a lot of events and we, we'd often go to festivals and stuff like that. So that switched to a virtual world. And I was hesitant initially. I didn't think you could do cooking demos virtually. Uh, I was I was not against them, but I I, I declined a few initially. And then when a, when a lot started coming in, I was kind of like, okay, there might be something here. Um, so we started doing that, and I suppose I'm probably lucky where we were in, it somewhat first to market in that we we built our own studio at home. I literally, as I said, when I took that break from work, I was back home in the farm. I was like, geez, no, I can probably build a studio. It's only just two walls with some wallpaper. Uh, so we built a studio, started doing some virtual events, uh, and started kind of just shopping that around the corporates, and, and it was just taken, like fired. And so the business then, I suppose, when you look at it from a whole, um, the meal prep site slowed down, but the virtual events picked up. Uh, I think we did something like 120 events in the year. Um, just with corporates and events and demos and social media and brands and, and TV, um, right place, right time, had good cameras, good wifi. Um, so, you know, people kind of trust that we, we could do a good show and, and, you know, we, we just built on from there. And obviously that's all coupled with, with, you know, marketing and whatnot on social media, everyone knew we were doing it. So when, when, when a corporate posts the question to what can we do for our employees? Some employee usually pipes up saying, oh, I see on own is in virtual events. Uh, and that's genuinely like, that's the bread and butter of marketing, especially in corporates. You can post on LinkedIn all you want and, and it's fantastic and it's very beneficial. But I would say 70% of the time, we get our events through people that follow me on Instagram and people that know me, that work in a corporate, that um they're asked a question on, on what they want to do for, you know, employee wellness and, and my name is thrown in there, you know. It's everyone wants to think the, the genius in marketing is is these really savvy social media posts, but oftentimes it's word of mouth and it's having a good product and and then you know people talk.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think definitely word of mouth is probably the most powerful. You can um you know can make or, or break your business because you know if if you don't yeah. like if you don't like something, people definitely talk about that as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just on, on that matter as well out of curiosity, um, we'll delve into more later on. But currently, do you do all the video editing, or do you have someone doing that for you?
1: No, 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 no. I I have a a brilliant editor, Mark. So he he does all our video work and editing.
0: Perfect, perfect. We'll we'll delve into that soon. but I think um, I think that's yeah. that's interesting. But um, we say look, looking back in COVID, um, what would you have learned? during that period i suppose during those six weeks really that you kind of took time to to step Mm -hmm. back from the business
1: yeah i think a younger my younger own will say if it happened a couple of years ago you know i probably would have panicked and, and and i would have been scrambling for answers um whereas i was very quick to accept it that you know this is here there like there was nothing i could do you know i i think before and it's the way that I often would be is that, you know, I would be scrambling for answers and I, you know, find a way and figure it out. Whereas this was like, listen, the whole, the whole world is on pause the moment. So, you know, relax. There's nothing you can do about it. Prep the best you can, you know, and be ready for, for, for when things come back on. But yeah, I, 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 I was, I suppose I I saw it in myself and that I was able to, to kind of pull back a bit from, when usually my you know my character trait wouldn't wouldn't be that, you know, I'm very much when it's, you know, strike while the iron's hot and go and go and and, and don't leave up and, and always keep the momentum. Um so you know that was a huge one. And then it's I suppose it's having the it's having the willingness when you know it may take a few weeks to, to accept it, but having the willingness to to try something new. Um, you know, I accepted that the meal prep stuff was slowed down and that wasn't gonna come back for a while. With gyms, we're constantly being pushed to reopening, so I kind of just said, "Forget that model for a while." There's probably something here with the virtual events, and we're getting plenty of inquiries. So, case okay, so of just listen, switch, switch what we're doing, switch our model for a time being. Who's doing it? Where? How are they doing it? What are they using? How many cameras? Blah, blah blah blah. Maybe make it and and then go from there. So you know, being being flexible and being able to adapt and and the last thing there, the the biggest thing was it. I didn't. It didn't matter if I failed or not. You know, I. It, I didn't sell I didn't start off those virtual events with the intention of of you know this has to work now. This was like, I have some spare time now. Let's give this a bash and see if it works out. If it didn't, and to be honest, I didn't expect it to work out. I thought him, I think, two events, and then break down the studio, uh, and and I would have been fine with that, you know, because I just had we had a lot of fun building that building that studio, and you know, it's it's always good crack doing those events, so. Um, in in the end, it the worked out far better than, than what I originally thought. But if I'd done one event, and that's it, then so be it, you know. At least we did one.
0: And do you think that's a viable business model now going forward? We say, as touchwood, that the economy will open up, you know, we say when things kind of get back hmm. to some bit normal, do you think that's um kind of um a viable option, or do you think people will still want you to go into the companies?
1: I I to be honest I do I do think it will still stick around. You know this is something that we've been talking about ourselves for the last four months now as things open up. But like I I I do is a short answer. I don't think you know well there won't be full capacity back in offices for a while. Regardless, I think a lot of places will still stick to their home, um, home working. But also with those corporate events, I would have originally have gone into the corporate set up a stall, cooked in front of everyone. And they'd sit and watch. Whereas now everyone's at home in their own home kitchens, they're cooking with me. But it, it is a far better model. You know, people are getting far more actual hand experience. Um, so I, I I think for that alone, it will stay. Um, we've seen huge benefits in our corporates. You know, there's always good feedback. So it could be a case where they're just around the eating when people come home from work, you know, at, at six, seven, eight o'clock, as opposed to being at two o'clock when everyone's at home working on their break. Um, and then, you know, the studio itself is used for our own media production and video production. And like, for example, brands will come to us and they'll give products or they'll give, you know, uh, utensils and whatnot, and we'll use them in studio to create videos to either give the name or use on our own social. So like, we thankfully figured out a good few markets to get use out of that studio. Um, so it will stay, I will say and we're actually looking to, to increase it in the in the coming weeks and, and and make it more um, permanent. It's only kind of temporary at the moment in a in a small office. So we're gonna actually try and build an actual studio somewhere.
0: Hey, is that studio out in Palace Canary or is it out in the Belly Simon Road at the moment?
1: It's on in the Belly Simon Road at the moment. So we, we, we built it in Palace and brought it into the to the kitchens in Bally Simon. And
0: I know you know when you started off um country munch um I think it's the fit kitchen initially and then on the country mm-hmm. munch but you the, the the goal was always kind of remove yourself from it um and kind of focus we say on on own sheeting the, the chef um yeah. how you know the fact it was your baby how did you find the you know reducing control and, and putting that allowing someone else to have that control mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah, it was it, from from day dot. That was always the plan. Was was you know I would go in, I'll set it up, I will make sure it works, I make sure it runs right. Then I step out and put someone who's better than me there. Um, and that's always been the plan. You know, I I started the business by myself. When you know from day the, the first year or so, you know I was the cook, the delivery driver, the the admin, the marketing, the everything. And then, you know, we got to a stage where we could probably afford to bring in a part-time chef. I found a chef who was a much better cook than I was, put him in there. So now I was freed up about eight hours a day. The food quality was probably better, in my opinion. I, I think he was a better chef than I was. Um, So he hugely benefited the business. Uh, and then, you know, I get to a case where we keep going, we keep going, we bring in a delivery driver. You know, the next step would probably be to take me on another level, put in a manager or put in someone, you know, to to manage it there. So, yeah. I think it's really important to, to you know, have a lot of trust in the staff and, and, and you know, for example, with Muffy, who, who was, was our chef, um, this fantastic Moroccan chef who lived in London all his life. You know, I met him and I was so confident that he could do a good job. It wasn't a case, you know, it wasn't a case where I was worried when he went in there. I obviously cooked to him for a couple of months. and He got a feel for the, for the brand and the food and the meals, but he was well able. So, you know, I had every confidence in him that he could, you know, keep that standard going. And that's, you know, that's, that's all we ask is that if you're there, you f- keep the standard and it's my job, you know, to have all the procedures, have the routines, have the standard set. Um, So it's very easy to track that then, you know, if, if I set a really low bar, then there's no excuse for anyone, you know, I set that bar. So, you know, I, it's, it's on me to, this is how it's done previously. So I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. I'll obviously be here if you need me, call me. But on me, then it's, it's you know, being able to let go and have confidence that, you know, I got the white people in that ultimately, you know, they drive the business on. Me, taking me out of that kitchen and giving me an extra eight hours of the day, that's when we started to really grow. Because then I was just on sales, on marketing. When every week I could go back and say, cool, we have another contract with this team, another 200 meals. Cool, another contract, another 200 meals. So then it was just add volume, add volume, add volume. But prior to that, you know, I could never have done that. I never had the time to go out and look for look for business or, or fix our marketing or build a website, whatever it was, whatever the whatever the thing was, you know.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. I'm just trying to delve into we say that initial period that you were you know reju- you know loosen the just the you know the ropes or whatever. Yeah, it must have been difficult. Like I'm just trying to relate to myself because. Mm-hmm you know, and look, naturally we're humans, you know, it's our own baby. Did you find it kind of difficult in yeah. any, any bit? Like?
1: I did. I mean, I'm sure, if, if I'm sure if you ask me, I feel like <laughs> I was always around, I was always popping into the kitchen, having a look at everything, making sure everything was good going out. But also I was so busy. I was probably relieved in a sense as well. It was like, you know, it was mayhem up until then. And then you get this pair of hands in. That's brilliant. So, you know, you of course you are. Of course you're conscious, and of course you're you're thinking, "Geez, I hope this works out well." And I I'm I'm sure subconsciously, I was always popping in and oh, asking, "Is he all right? See when he was doing blah blah blah." But it just takes time, you know. After a few weeks, when you see that it's running well, when you see the growth you can do when you're not there, it makes life much easier, you know. If say for example, if things hadn't gone well and things started to reduce or or started to reduce. You know, that's probably a good sign that it isn't working. And then when you have to look at it and, and change things up, but when things are going well, it's very easy to just, you know, say, yeah, we've, we're we on the right track here. But again, you you always have to be conscious. You know, it does, it, it's not a case same where I just head off and, and Muffy is just head chef and cooks every day of the week. And like, you know, I'm still always there and I'm still making sure everything's right. And, and like, you know, making sure he's okay and he has everything, so explained. I
0: is that a full time job for him? Like you see there five days a week or, or seven days
1: yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to prior
0: to COVID, was that uh, five days prior to COVID. And it, it must be massive, um massive large operation now in in the sense that um you know you probably have a lot of sports teams in around the Limerick area. Like where is your demographic be?
1: Um yeah, it is still primarily Limerick. Um and 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 I suppose it's it's nearly bizarre and now it's it is slightly different. You know, before it would have been a lot of domestic orders, um, and, and we were delivering around Munster, whereas now it's a lot of teams. So yeah, the limit GA, the Munster um, summer camps, the Munster Senior Women's Team. And we're, we're 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 very lucky, you know, all those things are very close to us here. The Munster are over in U L or Tonman Park close to Bally Simon. Um, a lot of the GA teams will train in the gym upstairs, Fit 100, so we have bridges there that they take and leave on their way out, so our delivery, we, we don't have to deliver there. Um, you know, we had some contracts with teams in Cork and, and Kildare, GA, and then any we often some private events or private catering, and that's when we kind of step outside of Munster, but no, for the time being, you know, we have plenty in Limerick and there's plenty here, there's plenty of business here, um, we we were we were looking at you know a one day a week nationwide service and and that's something that we are building too again um, you know we had the framework in place COVID came it took it all away so yeah I suppose that's that's where it's where we are heading to I mean I I do feel we have a, a nationwide market there uh, we were lucky that my brand has a national kind of platform um, and you know it's it's a very easy sell then for for me to. You know to advertise that, and I I think there is an audience there, and it's it's just a logistical point of view. I won't do it until I know it. it's it's bulletproof. You know, there's no point on Monday morning. Same with chances and send off a few me of DPD, and they end up in Longford and Kerry, and they're they're broken or they're not delivered or they're hot or or you know there's 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 a lot of of. Headaches when it comes to it, so you just have to make sure it's it's bulletproof before you start it. But yeah, I would hope end of the year, start next year, we'll definitely have a one day a week delivery to uh to a nationwide level. Anyway,
0: yeah, I was I've been looking enough to have a few guys who are in the, the food industry, and that seems to be the biggest um or the, the biggest challenge is the the nationwide delivery, and you know, like you said, not to have it ended up some and could be hotter yeah. or broken down for a while, um. Oh, just out of curiosity, I'd like to get your insight into you know we say fifteen years ago ready-made meals or twenty years ago probably less ready-made made meals. There weren't there probably wasn't a big appetite for it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the appetite has changed? Now it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's you know it just saves time and all that. But what do you think has been the the change in 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 customers' appetite for it?
1: Yeah, I I think I was the right place, right time where. When I was 17, 18, you know, it was just coming kind of coming into into fashion will say. Um, I think I think it came from the states and I think it came from the big health and fitness buzz, the industry, you know, the health and fitness industry started booming, you know, when in 2015, 16, 17, 18, everyone started becoming PTs, everyone became conscious of of their health and fitness. And and with that, then, you know, that's kind of angle where I saw it first. I saw an american company doing these ready made meals no that's that isn't the reason i didn't see that and say i'm going to do that um you know mine was far more by accident uh, yeah by accident but they were doing it and and i was aware of it you know it is this kind of just ready made dinners being sent all over the states i think i saw it from from a youtuber a fitness youtuber something like that so you know, it's usually a case of you see it in the states eight months later it'll come to London, then it'll come to, to Ireland. That's usually the trend we, we always see: states, London, Ireland. Um, so yeah, it, it did. It started to get it started to, to get bigger, and then we started seeing loads in London. And, and I, again, I wasn't I wasn't even aware of it at the time. I wasn't conscious of this at all. Um, and then you know that that does trickle in, into into Ireland, and, and there were obviously there still are plenty of in Ireland those those you know at least 10 anyway um a lot of them are in Dublin a few of them are are nationwide and and they're still growing they're still getting bigger which is fantastic you know the market is still there and and the appetite I I think is only growing you know there's that fitness buzz but then there's also you know busy working people I I think people's workloads have have increased and you know kind of corporate demand on people has, has increased as well people don't work you know nine they don't clock in at nine clock out to five anymore you know people work long hours they work shift work it's it's a different world and Ireland in particular you know has a large workforce there's a lot of corporates here has a lot of American businesses and, and they, they follow that that suit that model so I think yeah it's an accumulation of things and 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 it's convenience the end of the day it's convenience.
0: I don't know how I'm gonna word this but I'm just gonna throw it out and we can digest it and um yeah. How did how how did a limerick man, a Skinnery man, get a, a gig in Virgin Media? <laughs> With
1: his skin in his teeth, that's how. <laughs> um yeah how did I get in there? I think I think someone put my name forward. I can't think back now. There was a I I knew a chef that was on the show already. And I think I met him or I was speaking to him and he was like you should I I think they were looking for a young male chef. Uh and that's often the case. We still see today there's lots of there's tons of female food bloggers. And there isn't that many male ones. Um even, you know, well, I suppose when you look at the top tier, you know, you have the likes of of Donald Skehan in Ireland. Um but you know, in Ireland really, you know, you have a lot of females. You have Rachel Allen, and you all yeah, Bringing Allen and whatnot, and, and Nigella, Just there's, there's there's a lot, there's a good mix, but in that niche young male um chefs there wasn't a whole pile so I, I just got an email and, and and we were talking over and back and this I was I kind of gave my pitch and mean that like, listen I was young I was 21 I think from Limerick I've been doing YouTube for the last four years I'm a bank of video recipes and video uh, me on camera I suppose which is oh, the yeah. biggest thing. Um, and that was my pitch you know I was like listen you can see what I'm like on camera. Here's a video here's a video here's a video. They were like, yeah, listen, come up, to and give it, a, give it a go. We'll, we'll, we'll have um just a kind of trial. No, no, no cameras, no live, just me and, and a producer. So I did that, and we were open back a few times, and I got another trial or another um, audition, I suppose we call it, and then it just went from there. And you know, I got one gig on the week of my week of my birthday two years ago. I'm 25 now, so I was 23, so I was 22 when I got my first one, let's say, uh, and it was like, to this day, like, I, I don't think anything has gotten to a, a high point like that, just, you know, the circumstances at the time, it was like, Jesus Christ, I'm after getting, I'm after having, a, I have a day for TV, for live TV, and it was a huge, it was massive, um, and I thought, I didn't know if I'd ever get a chance to go back on again, you know, it was like, yeah, come on next Thursday, and it was just this huge excitement. Um and then you know it might have been once every two months. I remember like you know I got I got an email again and like oh that was great blah blah fair play will that be again on the twenty eighth? And I was like Jesus Christ I'm back again. <laughs> um so it, it was it you know it was only once every couple of weeks and then I did a few more and, and they could see that I was doing well and I got on with the presenters and and my style suited the show. So then it was like grand to come back once a month for a while uh and then the pandemic hit and we had a good setup at home and things went to skype so then you know we they knew i could do a good a good segment from our studio with good wi-fi good cameras good lights um so then it became like okay go twice a month and then it was nearly weekly so just fortune fell my way once again and, and it became from you know very irregular to very regular uh, and now it's about three times a month, um, give or take. Sometimes twice a month gets another three if, if if I need it, um, which is fine. You know, any more would be, you know, too much up in out of Dublin. So you know, once a week is 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 perfect. Um, and it, it's 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 my favorite part of my job. I think uh, it's it's just something that I I relish every time I'm up there. You know, I always say people you know ask what it's like and and. It is this kind of full day thing If I have to leave America at two and I'm there for four and I'm setting up and I'm in hair and makeup and then we're alive at six. But realistically, it's five to six and a half minutes on TV. It's all I have. Um, so you kind of, you have to relish them and you have to make the most of them. and I, I, You have to be conscious, you know, I have five or six minutes to sell myself here. You know, I, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking a dish, but I'm promoting my own brand. I'm promoting myself as a person. Um, and i think if you get if you get caught up in the whole things you can miss it like that No five minutes whatever five minutes on a treadmill and five minutes on tv are two very very different periods of time uh it goes like that when you're on tv so yeah you just have to appreciate it and 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 i'm always very rigid and routine where like i know exactly what I'm doing at every second and I know what I'm going to say when I'm doing this and I'm chopping this and it goes into the pan and then I bring it over here and I'm going to mention these two points. So I'm, I'm, I'm military strict when it comes to the segment. Uh, never scripted or never, it's never planned to the point where I know what I'm going to say but I know the system and I know how it flows and then once I know that that frees up me then to chat and converse uh, and it's a hard thing to do I I think if other chefs, you know, they're fantastic cooks and they're far better cooks than I am, but I I would think that I'm a better conversationalist, uh, and it comes more naturally of me to be able to cook and talk, uh, and make it very easy to watch and make it seem very easy dish to do, um, whereas other chefs will 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 just you know the cook the dish, that's the dish, off you go. Whereas, I can cook the dish, have a bit of crack, have a bit of banter, chat or something. And then tie it all together to make it very easy to watch, we'll say. So, you know, I, I, I think it's a skill in itself. It's not a case we're just gonna up to Dublin and it. Um, you know, there's there's nothing to it. Um, and and you know, thank God it's 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 gone so far. And that's all of all the areas that we're involved in, and and you know, the it is quite large at the moment, that's probably the one sector that I, that I do really wanna push and focus on.
0: You know, when you're coming up with these recipes, um, obviously, you know, you get inspiration from other other chefs or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I've noticed myself, you know, if you're in the industry so much, you can naturally cut corners if you're explaining it to someone. How, are, we say at the start, how did you ensure that you had the steps and you're explaining it, you know, that the normal person would, you know, would understand it. I suppose this would be very much in related to your social media aspect. Mm. If you're putting up recipes or dishes, how do you ensure that the normal person who has no experience of cooking or who's in college will be able to cook it? Would you give it to someone in advance? Like, would you give it maybe to your your parents? No,
1: usually no. I never, never really proved them. Like, I'm not a trained chef and I, I never went to culinary school. I never did a cookery course. So... I was probably the best test subject because if I could understand it, then I think the general public could initially in the early days anyway, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I understand what you mean. I, I think you, you learn a lot from experience and past recipes and, and demos, you know, cooking demos, I think were the biggest help there because you had literally members of the public there. And, and I worked in a cookery school in Limerick there for, to COVID for nearly a year Uh, And I was the the head chef in a cookery school. And I think you learn so much there because you physically have the general public in front of you. You're cooking and you're explaining and you can see if it's resonating with them or not. And then they have to go back and cook. So if I do something and they all go back and they are all struggling, then it's very clear that I didn't explain that well or whatever I did wasn't transferable. Um so in the next sentence there, you know, I'll take a different approach. You know, I'll really break it down. Or I'll say, you know, this is everyone pay attention to this point now, this is probably the hardest point of the recipe. Um and I'll explain that. And I think it, it just that comes with time and experience. Um and uh, you know, one thing that I learned early on. I've been doing cooking demos since I, or yes, was talks. I, initially, there weren't demos; there were just like talks on, on nutrition and food, and then it, it it kind of built into cooking demos. But when I first started, you know, it was very much I'm a young buck that has no experience and no qualifications, so I have to impress these people. So I would, you know, prepare and I would be these really kind of high-fluting dishes with fancy ingredients and. And make myself look like a great chef, but it wasn't transferable at all to the audience. Um, they could barely pronounce the ingredients and the mind got on and buy them in Little Aldi. So it wasn't until a while where I started to kind of figure it out, did my brand kind of change and was like, okay, like we need to be super easy to understand. Whatever I cook, have you have to be able to buy that in your local shop. So if you can't, then it's it's pointless that we're what we're doing here, you know. The shopping list should be got from literality. The skills, you know, should be less than six points. It shouldn't be very, my language should be very easy to understand. You know, a 10-year-old should understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, and then, you know, when I got into that groove, that's when it, it, be, it all just clicked, you know, and it's the one feedback that I always get in that people are always like, you know, it's very simple to understand and you make it feel like anyone could cook it. Um, because anyone can if you have the right procedure but you know I just kind of touched on, on the other the point I made a minute ago on some chefs you know will just cook the dish the shorter show off their skills you know they're the chef you're not watch me cook where I'm nearly the opposite I love getting people that can't cook because I'm like listen you know this is great you don't need you can cook this I know for a fact you can just you know follow these steps chop it this way fry it this way add this much at this times and then you know the rest the rest will will figure itself out. So that's my niche very much so you know I'm not I'm not the best chef in Ireland by any means, but I do think I'm one of the best explainers and broadcasters of that. Uh and my way of communication I think is, is my strong suit. You know, so I learned that early on and 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 you know that's my lane and that's what I'm good at.
0: It's been like I suppose been honest and open, and you know that probably is portrayed and, and comes through your you know your communication style and your your recipes as well, and um, because you know if you're trying to be hired in you know the people that are are obviously you know trying to cook it, people probably get annoyed. Um and yeah, that's very much yeah, so. That's probably very one of so. your your selling points as well, just honesty and you mm. know. Yeah, it, it, it comes across. Look, What I always like doing, one is I like to, you know, to, to get an insight into the person themselves, whether a sports star or a business person or a chef, in, in, in your case, and business person. Um, you're in your early 20s. Do you want to bring us back to your early days and how that shaped you into the person you are today?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm from West Limerick. Went to school at West Limerick in Eskeetan. And... Was always really heavily involved in sports. I suppose that's my background. My background in sport and and rugby to a degree. So I I would have played rugby. I would have taken it quite seriously as, as a teenager. Um, and would have played inside in in Limerick in Garryowen. So you know, I suppose for us that was a big deal. And you know, I left West Limerick with train and play in the city and play in the big leagues. We'll say, um, and, and you know that was that was a huge part of my life growing up. You know, it's a big commitment. It's um. You know, it, it, it was training two, three nights a week. And 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 that's what I thought I would do, to be honest. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play a pro ropey. And, and and I was good in school. And, you know, it isn't the case where I was failing school. I, I, I was always good in school. I was very good. At, I thought I was very good at studying. And I've been academic to a degree. Never very much interested in academics, but I was able to do it. So I... I did my leave insert back in the scheme. I was good at maths, I was good at engineering, I was good at chemistry, I was good at the sciences, would so say. So I I was still waiting for this pro rugby contract to kick in. You know, there was, I suppose there was confidence in that schools, we I was offered a scholarship when I was in fifth year to play rugby in Castle Troy, um to play senior cup. Uh, and I didn't take it because it was just, you know, I, I had a year left to do my leave insert. And I knew if I left, you know, I would do a really bad leaving search. Because if I went there, it was just you're here to play B and that's it. Um, and it, it it all fell through at the time. You know that was kind of heartbreaking. And it was like that was probably my chance. But in hindsight, uh, I am I am very grateful. So I stayed in Skeeton, Still played with Gary Ons. Still played to a, quite a high level. And we were doing very well. You know, I, I was I was captain on that side. We were winning every cup you could imagine. And year a year I captained i think it was the twenties or the twenty ones maybe we won four months of titles. we had a brilliant team like an and we were in the we were in the, the we were in the limelight we'll say um so i finished um my leaving went to u l to do chemical and biochemical engineering um and again still priority being robbie and and it wasn't until I got to college that things changed um I left home had to fend for myself. I suppose had this kind of new lease of of um freedom. And sometimes that can be spent in socializing, which we did our fair share of socializing the first year. You know, we went out every week and we, and we partied plenty, but also, you know, got a gym membership, tried started training more, you know, it was close to the gym so I could walk to the gym now, whereas when I was younger, you know, you'd have to get a lift to the gym. So All these things, you know, played in my favor and I started to cook for myself and I was so busy with training. I found that, you know, prepping my meals in advance gave me back more time, which inevitably started the business. Um, But I I suppose the main thing, when I got to college, I started to watch what I ate. I was a fairly big lad going into college. You know, I I remember being 16 and 16 stone, 17 and 17 stone. And I probably was progressing to 18 and 18 stone. Like I was a big fella. And I played prop, you know, and it was never, you know, my weight was never brought up as an issue. It was like, you know, you needed to play rugby. You're the bigger and better you are. Um, so, you know, keep driving it on. And I, I'd always, I always would have sat in like the 90 kilo, the high 90s. I, I, I'm certain that I touched 100 kilos at one stage in off season. I just, I remember, I remember standing at 98, but I have a feeling that I, 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 I'd like to, think I, I had a hundred at some point. <laughs> um, but you know, I was overweight and that was never brought as an issue. It was, it was never, he's overweight. It was, he's good at rugby and that's, that's what he's going to do. Um, so I started to train more in college. and I started to gym more and I started to watch what I was eating. And I started losing a lot of weight. And I think it was, it was an off season. And I just went hell for leather to the gym, and I lost like crazy. I lost like thirty kilos, um, and that's kind of when I switched into bodybuilding. Life, you know, I uh, it's very hard to tell an eighteen-year-old who's in first year in college, who has never had much self-confidence, physically, you know, always overweight, uh, and accepted that to a degree, you know, whereas now, losing a lot of weight, toning up, looking much better, um, you know getting ads for the first time when you're a first year in college you know and you know it's 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 uh, an egotistical thing to to a certain degree but i loved it you know it was it was fantastic um but i went back the next season and i was the skeleton of the person that i was and they were looking at me and they're like jesus christ I, like like <laughs> you're not, you're not fit for prop anymore so then it was a seasonal change of positions and I went to hooker, to flanker, to second center. And I was gradually just being pulled back and back and back from the team. Uh, and it was a case of, you know, put back on the weight, get back on the squad or, you know, keep kind of doing what you're enjoying. And I loved it and I felt better. I was healthier. I was training more in the gym. I had more interest, um, both social and social media. You no, it And was, it was the fella that lost all the weight. Uh, I had more interest from from women you know which is a big thing for a nineteen year old fella you know like it or not people don't like, don't like to hear that, but it is that's a that's a huge that's a huge motivator for a young fella is is going out and meeting people and socializing uh it's a huge confidence thing so we I ran with that through college and, and still played ball here and there and you know played to a played seconds and played thirds and and Jim took over from there and 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 the business started in college and with the meal prep. And the rest is history, we'll say
0: you You came from an, a dairy background, and I know your your father has turned to beef in, in recent years. Um, what How do you think the farming background influenced you?
1: Um, work ethic, work ethic, without a doubt. Um, you know, there's no excuses on, on, on a farm um, in particular now i'm I'm lucky I never was of the age. We changed to, to beef in, I think, 2012, maybe 2013. So I was still quite a young lad. So I wasn't the one getting up and milking cows morning and night. My father and my mother and my brothers were. Um, but you, you'd be around that. And, and, and my father is only a part-time farmer. He, he, he works in, in Johnson Johnson as well, in Limerick. So he works 12-hour shifts and runs a farm. So, you know, you can't be around that and not see and not pick up that work ethic. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you you learn, you definitely learn that from being on a farm, uh, and you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Christmas Day or whether it's your summer holidays, someone has to be up and and milk those cows. So, you know, that's definitely instilled. And, and you know, we regard the grand scheme of things, that's that's instilled in farms anyway. But my own father, in particular, you know, is is a martyr for work, and and I always picked it up from him. And you know, being around that, those are things you pick up. And as as is my mother my whole family, you know, where we I think, you know, I think if I didn't get into the the world that I'm in, I probably would have picked a trade, to be honest, you know, I would have done a, an engineering degree or some sort. And I've always loved doing stuff with my hands. And, you know, my father's a fitter, my brother is a, is a carpenter or was a carpenter, I should say. Um, and they're, they're all engineers now to a degree and my uncles are, are carpenters and are stonemasons. So we are a family to a degree of, of, of trade um and i i i I probably would have gone on that route if I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do or so, to some degree or in, if not, but you know with that comes comes good work ethic i think um and 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 everything after that then.
0: we we all have people who influence us at different stages of our life um would you say you would someone who say in your teenage years that was a massive influence on in you? and the direction you took with the country munch.
1: Yeah, I, I've been very lucky to have some amazing mentors from early on. Um but I think that was my own doing in that I, I sought them out. It wasn't a case well no sorry well like I met people and I keep saying you know right place, right time and I do think that's a thing, but that, that person has to put themselves in that place at the right time. So there is there is a catch to it where I've been so lucky to be in this position to meet that particular person, but I worked my bollocks off to get in that position to meet that person. Um so yeah, there I I worked awful hard initially going to networking events, doing all these free gigs, free events, anything on Limerick, I'd be there. I'd have business cards made out with my name and my number, absolutely disgraceful looking ux called the fit kitchen and i would just be flaking them out to people and just being like i'm i'm this 19 year old um businessman quote unquote i wouldn't even say that because listen i'm trying to start a business if you know if i like could if i like could meet up to you for a coffee or if i could have a chat to get uh you know see what you think i'd really appreciate it and nine times out of ten that person will agree and and, and you know people I think people have this these walls up initially and be like, oh, we're all we're all here against each other. Um, and you know, people won't help me. And like I've never not, I'd like to think I've never not helped someone when they've come to me and, and look for advice. You know, I will always offer my two cents. and um, because I was that young fella that approached, you know, certain people in my industry. I would approach meal prep companies and be like, listen, I am starting this at home. And I would really drum it down, like it's small scale, blah, 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 where I've no threat to you, but I'd just like to know how you produce X, Y, Z. And usually like nine times out of 10, you might get to one stickler that simply might not have the time um but 9 out of 10 they'll they will you know be super obliging and i was very lucky you know i met really good people early on that that stuck around and i you know in hindsight i think they saw potential in me um and that's really exciting for for an older person uh not not in in an age sense but someone in business when they see this young buck with a lot of tenacity and a good idea and good momentum you know what i've seen is that you know the the genuine ones take interest in that and, and they see a spark. And I've heard it all throughout my teens and 20s and like, you know, you've got something here. Um, and that's when you you see people stick around. And, you know, they're the people that I would email and call and ask questions and pick up the phone. And I was the king of cold calls. You know, I would get someone's number, I'd ring them, I'd, you know, be very polite about it. Uh, and I'd never be pushy, and it was literally a case of like, I, I, I am prepared. I have this one question. If you, if I could get five minutes of your time, just I'm trying to figure this out at the moment. Um, and you know that led to friendships that I still have today. One of my best friends, you know, um, he's uh my closest mentor. He's been an advisor for years, and I met him, I don't know where I met him, years ago but he's in the food industry and he owns this massive food business. And and I asked him a question and he's like, yeah, we'll get a coffee and, and, and we'll go from there. And we just kept getting coffees and, and he kept helping me. And I think I helped him to a degree, you know, when you're in business for, you know, he's been in business for 40 years. When you have this young fella with a lot of fire and this good idea and lot, a lot of momentum, that drives them too. You know, he often says, you know, I, I motivated him as much as he helped me um, because I think when, when you get to a certain stage, it's very easy to start coasting and, you know, just going with the flow and then you have this young fella comes in with a fist and throws mayhem everywhere. Um, It's great. You know, so I, just to answer your question, I I tend to just ramble and rant, but I, I try and answer the questions as well. You know, the, I was very proactive in seeking mentors and seeking advisors and, knowing who's doing it right and asking them you know how are they doing it and if they say no absolutely fine you know thanks for your time i'll see it on the line anyway uh and you know the the honest answer is the people that i've asked are a lot of companies that we've asked initially in in those early days we would have surpassed them now um you know are we definitely on level power with with a lot of those food businesses and, and and um and different genres too but we're lucky to, we kept our trajectory going and, and and, and you know, it, it's great to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with some of those people and businesses that I was a young 18-year-old or seven years ago asking, you know, what's the story? How do I go about starting a business?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely something in that and uh, you know, I, I think myself and myself would be very like in that regard, I just, I was the same, I was just cold calling people and you know build up a very good relationship with, with um yeah. successful business people from that and it's you know it's great to stay in contact with them and um the advice they give you like it's it's amazing mm-hmm. how they open your mind to different angles as well
1: very much so yeah but there there is there is an art to that like you can't just ring and ask you know how's it going how do i start the business you have to you have to be able to uh I suppose, have some bit of, of, of empathy and, and, and appreciation and not overstep your boundaries and be more than willing to have them say no. You know, I think that's massive. And now I'm the person that gets those calls and emails about how to do this and X, Y, Z. But, you know, if a person is incredibly cold and blunt and rude, I'm fa- I, I probably won't give them a great answer. I'll, 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 I'll answer their question whereas a person is genuinely authentic and, and, and genuinely does have a, a a detailed question, then I'll give a detailed answer. And I'll probably keep touching base with them and see where they're getting on. So I can see now from from my position when people are asking me, you know, what's a good and what's a bad cold call. Uh, and I'd like to think I, I had that figured out too when I was younger. I wasn't just aimlessly firing generic emails you know I they were specific they were to the point they were to that person like I, I know you've done this this and this I just want to know when you did this specific thing <clears throat> what was you know x y z it wasn't how it was going I think I'm thinking i starting a business what do I do you know they they drive me insane when I get those messages you know um, because there's no method to that and they're, they're so generic there's no answer I can give that can really help there you know so there's there's an art to cold calling there's an art to, to question
0: yeah no definitely definitely um and i think that's you know that's either in you or it isn't in your well maybe you could mm. you could obviously learn it you know as yeah well as you,
1: you can learn you can learn the principles you know you can yeah. learn the basics but some people are, are, are very good communicators and conversationless uh, and other people aren't
0: yeah and it, it definitely comes across as well in, in emails come basic common sense like you know for example mm. uh, you pointed out there that you know you've been specific to that person and you know that they might ask you specific questions so that means they've done their research on yeah. you and the business um yeah 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 rather exactly than, rather than just a, a generic one Look, yes we'll, yeah, yeah we'll move on from there because I, I i keep talking about that all all, all day um something I suppose you could, we could uh, catch up on over a point you know, at some stage yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as a young lad you know you play sport sport um, and I believe you you do a bit of M- MMA as well um, mm-hmm. on the sport aspect of it what crossovers do you think there is from team sports and business what could, what transferable skills would you think there there is
1: yeah there's so many um, yeah rugby would have been my first sport I would have played GA as a young fella and then when I probably turned 16, I went to rugby and, and was quite good at that and, and found my niche there. Um, And, you know, as we said there, I would have played that until I lost the weight. Bodybuilding would have been my next sport, we'll say. Um, and I would have done that for through College Uh, and then slowly kind of got into jujitsu uh, and martial arts. And uh, Whilst, you know, I still train in the gym all the time, so bodybuilding is still there. Bodybuilding isn't really, it, it's not a sport that I, that I would compete anymore, but it's a practice that I'll probably do for the rest of my life in, in training. Um, but you know, where where does it benefit? It's it's I would say it's pivotal, you know. Uh, for me personally, it's definitely the reason. Um, or it's it's a huge chunk of 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 where I've gotten today. But in meeting people, teammates and coaches, being, you know, having good coaches from a young age that instilled confidence, I was made I was made captain of, 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 you know, that team and a lot of teams in, in my youth, I would have been, I've always been, you know, a talker uh, and a good communicator, I would think. And I think that's why I would always be in that kind of frontier role. Um, uh, You know, I wouldn't even credit to performance. I, I would think, you know, it's the, it's the ability to speak to players. Um, so that alone, you build up. Confidence, you build up communication skills, you have to talk to players, you to talk to coaches, you to talk to referees. um And then, you know, there's that element, there's teamwork, there's, you know, dealing with different personalities on teams, you know, knowing how to speak to one player versus knowing how to speak to a different player, two different personalities, two different uh logics. And, and then, especially with jiu jitsu and martial arts, it's a huge discipline. Um, Obviously, all training is is a discipline to a certain degree. You have to show up, you have to train, you have to put in the hours. Jiu-Jitsu is the only sport where I found, you know, it is this just art that you will never ever get to the end of. You know, you can be a fantastic footballer, and you can always be improving. But when I started jiu-Jitsu, I was just like day one, level zero, so terrible. Like, um, and it it teaches you to kind of you, you humble yourself. I would go in and a 60 60 kilo girl would tie me up and make me tap in 10 seconds. Yeah. And for a big brute rugby player to go in there and be humbled round after round after round after round. You know, the the conversion rate of people starting and people sticking on is very low because a lot of people can't take that. You know, it's very demoralizing to show up night after night. And and a good friend of mine, John Mitchell, who's you know, pound for pound, probably the best fighter in Ireland, and he's over in Dubai at the moment fighting. Um, and he's, I, in my opinion, one of the best prospects in 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 MMA at the moment. But I went to college with John, um, and you know, John always said to me, "Because you should, you should take up jitsu. Like you'd be really good at it. You're very method, your method, and and how you're thinking. But you're also quite strong. Blah blah blah." And I remember I took it up, and I rang John. I was like, "Man, this is just tedious. Like it's like I'm getting hammered, man, every night." Like he was like. Man, you have to be a nail for about a year and a half, and just get hammered. And he goes, just keep coming back in. He's like, you're gonna be a nail, um, but he goes, like it will eventually click, and it does. Uh, and, and you know, you 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 feel it. Then you know, you're you're practicing these moves. You're consistently getting nailed and getting hammered. But then one night, a move will work or it'll click or a flow will click, and you get out of trouble. And you're like, Jesus, that was good. And, you know, I can see progress now. And you just build from there. Um, but the discipline it takes and the patience is, you know, it, it's 10 years to get a black belt if you're good. It took me two and a half years to get my blue belt. And I had to work for that. Um, but that transcribes to business so much, I found. You know, because you have to be patient in the business. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to be willing to fail and be bad. You know, if I have a bad event, it's like having a bad session. You dust, you dust yourself off, you take it on the chin and you show up tomorrow and you just try and fix that. And it's the exact same whether you're doing an event, whether you're doing your job, or you're doing a sport. They're all transferable. Um, and in the final point is, is 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 headspace. You know, it's... Everything I do is on my phone. It's on social media. It's on my laptop. It's everywhere. And sport is the only thing that I can do where I don't have my phone in my hand and I'm not hearing emails come in um, and you know it's an hour to an hour and a half of, of work that I'm not being distracted you know you can't be thinking about work when there's someone on your back trying to choke you unconscious I've always said that you know it's the one thing I am not concerned about work when I'm fighting someone or when I'm you know when I'm playing football and I'm training I'm there man. I'm, I'm playing football um, or I always like surfing was a, was, a, was a hobby of mine for a while it still is I, I love to surf or try and surf, I should say. But you know, I find when I'm sitting on the board out in the middle of the water, I, I'm in I'm in a wetsuit, so I don't my phone, I'm not really thinking about work. You know, and, and, and it's these escapes from work that maybe come back into it later on. And usually the issues that I had in my head aren't as big as, as I thought they were. You know, I have an hour or two to re-energize and recalibrate and I come back into a much fresher with a clearer head and you 9 out of 10, the problem can be solved.
0: But it, on that point, it's probably about living in the moment, isn't it? Very much. Very much so. Yeah. 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 And like
1: you'll have sessions where, you know, I used to go into judo training stressed out of my mind, like from work. I'd be leaving the kitchens or leaving a meeting in bad form. Like you're going in and you're meeting the lads and you're laughing and joking, you're sparring. It's like some nights you're not there. Some nights you just have to take on a chin that this is not my night and I'm just going to just defend for the night or in football training, you know it's not your night, you know, it doesn't go your way, your kick is off, or your, your, your shooting's brood, whatever it is like, but, you know, it's building up the tolerance, and and, and resistance in yourself, to be able to dust yourself off, and, and, and show up again, and, and like you said there, just, absorb it in the moment, but leave it there, then it's done, and come back to your work, and, and, and just repeat that, and, there are the routines and processes, that I have, that keep me, in, in check.
0: Just briefly on, on the Fit Kitchen, um, was you? Know, I, I know you. 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 Don't give an insight how it came about and why you changed to you know rebranded it into mm-hmm. Country Munch or Country Munch, briefly. Um. Yeah. Delve yeah, into yeah, yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. It, it. I don't know where the name the fit kitchen came from. I suppose my, my initial content would have been fitness stuff from gym and bodybuilding stuff, uh, and I saw that cooking was a bigger niche than being a PT. Um. I would post both, but my recipes would, would get far more engagement. So I was like, we would focus on the food stuff, and you know, the kitchen made sense, and I started cooking for myself, and, and a friend who worked shift work in Regeneron came to me, and he said, listen, I'll, I'll buy t- five meals off you for work if you're if you're cooking. I was like, grandma, not about a 10 or a meal, 50 quid, ideal. Um, and it just grew from there. I I, I just by accident started that business. Um, and that, that was, that was the fit kitchen at the start. And I just got to a stage then where I didn't want to be pigeonholed as a fitness company because we weren't, you know, we are, the meals are healthy and they're cooked in a healthy fashion, but they're not pale or calorie counted meals. They're not like less than 500 calories or whatever it is. Um, no, they're not crazy, but I didn't want to be known as that person. So we changed then, uh, and, you know, country munch made sense. I was from the countryside. our demographic would have been a lot of country people and munch line the lunch I remember my big thing was country munch what's for lunch I always had it in my head it's like okay it rolls up tongue it's fine run wrong with that and it just stuck
0: it's brilliant that's uh, that's very interesting actually and, and I suppose you were lucky you you rebranded it early enough because you know yeah. you could have been in that you could be pigeonholed very quickly
1: yeah I, I, for a while I was i sorry no, I, I wasn't I wasn't pigeonholed to agree I sorry no I was I was people did think I was the fitness fella and people assumed to this day, I man, people assume that we if you don't know us well enough, they'll assume either we do, you know, only calorie counted meals or we're only this or only that until they actually look into it. Um, but even as I just touched on that point, you know, I, I, I changed the brand name early, but I still, people still called me The Fit Kitchen for, you know, about half a year. And then it changes over, you know. Um, and, you know, down the line, the name might change again or it might, sw- it might switch and it'll take the bones of a year people to keep calling me country much but then it might change again or whatnot. So you just have to take it on chin and, and just remind people.
0: <laughs> it's uh, I suppose it, you know it does take a while for it to, to filter through. Um the you started a YouTube channel in around 2016. Was this something you were doing, you know prior to um, you know, you start the fake kitchen or was it kind of just something you kind of started off as a result of going down that that field?
1: um it was the same same time i I had been thinking about it for if i started the channel in 2016 i was thinking about it in 2015 definitely it took me the bones of a year to actually start um and it was probably the case of i was watching a lot of youtubers states and i could see you know the the success that they were having and a lot of business people you know had started or i say business even but people with businesses in in the states or wherever it may be had started with YouTube and then, you know, progressed from there. So, you know, from a marketing point of view or just from building up content, I knew I needed to do YouTube. Um, but I was just terrified. It took me the bones of a year. I remember I recorded a video and I kept it for six months and I posted it on one night and I just closed the laptop and went to bed and I was sick to my stomach with nerves. Um, and it was the first video like, and no, I, I just, I just knew, that I needed to be there and have a presence there. And Mm. all those videos was just practice. It was practice on camera. It was, you know, working on my own voice and getting used to hearing myself and becoming more, I suppose, used to to everything. Uh, At the time, I didn't know that. It was just, you know, build a brand. For me, it was like, just make content. Make as much content as we can and become known as the food guy. That was my thing. I was like, when people talk about food in Ireland, I want them to think of my name. Um, And you know, that was just on stuff on Instagram, on Snapchat, on YouTube, on Facebook, all platforms, push content, push content, just give value. I had nothing to take, yes, you know, but I knew in time to come, there would be something when, you know, the logic is you have, you, give you give and you give and then you ask. Uh, and that ask could be, you know, buying a meal off me, buying an ebook, buying a physical book, watching me on TV, you know, and then it's, it's a case where you're giving and giving and giving you're giving value. And then people feel obliged and people feel like, geez, yeah, I've gotten so much from him. I will buy his book or I will um, subscribe to his channel. You know, it's something as simple as that. So there wasn't much method to it. I just knew that I needed to have a presence there. Um, in hindsight, it was rehearsal and it was practice for tv that's what it was you know i was getting used to talking on camera i was getting better at it and um you know hindsight's great i mean hindsight's great to look back on all these things at the time i didn't know what i was doing but you know there was never any harm and there never is any harm in any of the stuff you know if, it, if it, and like youtube didn't necessarily work for me i'm not i'm not a huge youtuber like we have a lot of content there and i think it's a huge value and we continue to make content because i do think it's a massive platform. Mm. Um, but it might take a person five months to blow up, or it might take a person ten years to blow up. Uh, and there's examples of both of things in in in, right now in in the workforce, you know. So you have to be willing to just get over it and always watching the videos. You know, some videos might have had 10 views, didn't matter. Next week we do the same again. And you know, we do it for a year until we have five hundred videos, and then we do it for another five years, and then it might pop you know but that's hard to do that's hard to do it's very you know there is no gratification immediate gratification we'll say you just have to trust the process that's all it was
0: yeah trust the process i'm very much like that and it's a uh, resilience trust the process and mm. it, if you were in the, the work it will come out um hopefully at some stage yeah, yeah, um, of course, yeah. J- just on the video editing Initially, would you been doing all the video editing yourself? Um, because yes, I suppose yeah, yeah. J- just on that point, the one I was looking at um and I found very interesting. Obviously the cooking ones are, are brilliant. But when you went to, to Malta at that time, you know, for Erasmus, um it was it was great insight. Did you do all the editing yourself? Like did it take long? Yeah,
1: oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me, yeah. Everything up until last year probably maybe the year before, it was me. Uh, you can note, you can see the ones that Mark took over, then, you know, it's, it's they're, they're far better edited. But, yeah, everything from they Dot to True Malta, back into Limerick and starting the business Country Munch and vlogging from there, they were all me. Any vlogs or anything self-spoken is me and, and I, I I would have edited. Then the kind of kitchen setup studio would have been Mark. But, yeah, that was something that I that I just, I moved to Malta obviously for eight months and I said, listen, I'll keep it going. And it's cool. It's a new experience. Um, I was there. I was. I lived with two two girls, but I was there theoretically by myself. So I had loads of time and I was working shift work. So I just doubled down on, on the video stuff. And, and it, it, it was, at the time, it was huge. You know, I, I was, I was traveling all over Malta um, reviewing these restaurants, eating for free, which was the main thing. Because I was, I was scratched for money. I had no money at all. I was in very broke. The work I was doing paid pittance. um. So I was like, how can I figure this out? How can I either make, make a bit of Bob or else get food for free? So I was like, I would just go to TripAdvisor. I would find all the emails to all the restaurants in the local area. And I would email them all, being like, I'm an Irish YouTuber, food blogger. I'm currently traveling to Malta. but I call a restaurant. I'll make a video. I'll edit it. I'll give it to you you put it on for marketing and all I want is just the publicity and the free food. I wouldn't say that, but that's all I wanted. They were every every single one of them were like, yeah, no bother. Call in whenever we feed you uh, and we'll share your stuff. So I was gaining an audience and getting a lot of PR. I was eating for free uh, and I was just happy as I am. traveling around Malta. I went to Sicily. I went to Italy. It was nuts and it was hilarious. And like they weren't getting millions of views, but they were all getting a couple hundred views and they use them for their own social media and no, it was it was advertisement for them. It was a young fella with a camera from Ireland. I talked a big game. I said I was a big Irish fucking food blogger and blah blah blah. Um, but it was great, man. I loved it. I got so much experience and you know, there those were my first food, you know, proper food videos to a degree, you know, or you know, food tasting or food testing, and whatnot. So I loved it, man. It was, it was built out of necessity to try and eat for free and gain some money back. Um, but it, it was just really enjoyable series that we made. Uh, and actually, you know, a, a strange correlation there, Munching Malta was named that series. And it, that munch was used in Country One Shen as a kind of nod to that.
0: Yes. And, um, you know, how do you go about structuring these videos? Like, what's your thought process around it? The,
1: the Munching Malta series? Yeah. Man, very very little thought process whatsoever. I I just knew <laughs> intro, test the food, outro. Um I was doing it on Premiere Pro. I would make up these gimmick intros. Um I, I I always knew like short and snappy, plenty of food visuals, review the food. Don't stay at the restaurant because you're you're periodically working for them. Try and be unbiased or try and seem like it's it's unbiased to a degree. Um no, I actually never got a bad meal and, and you know I'd like to think if I got a bad one I wouldn't have given I wouldn't have lied. Um but there was no man there was no I have no I had no experience in editing or I was learning as as I was editing. I just bought a camera, I was vlogging and learning to do that as, as I went. And I think they do they do get better as the series goes on. You see um there's structure to it in the end where it's like intro, the food review outro um, and it was just it was just a hobby that's all it was i just passed time the weekend soon
0: brilliant no it's something i'm thinking as well in the back of my mind just recording stuff like that it's uh it's brilliant and do you like obviously you don't do any that anymore you've that outsourced uh, to one of the guys
1: i should to be honest i, I mean we're all always saying I, I
0: i need to do more
1: yeah the the video work now is is outsourced you know anything we have a lot of contracts with with brands and and a lot of PT stuff that we do their videos for them um, food, food recipe videos. So all that stuff is is outsourced. Mark does the videography he's a brilliant videographer and a brilliant editor. Uh, And it obviously does it better than I do. And and takes, gives me free time coming back to the outsourcing part, you know? So any contract work we have or any YouTube work or, 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 Social media work that has been to be into a high standard center, is all that. Um, I I any kind of day in the life vlogs I could do myself, I could edit them. You know, it's, there's not much work to them. I don't do them as often as I should. Um, life is just busy, and I don't have the time to be editing. And you know, oftentimes I'm not doing too much exciting. You know, it could be just at the office taking calls or emails or in the kitchen cooking whatnot. So it's something that you know we still have a huge emphasis on YouTube, even though we're not as active anymore. We still have big plans for it. And, you know, in my opinion, YouTube is a bigger platform than TV. I still believe that. You know, national TV is fantastic and it gives it a level of credibility to a name that you can't buy or you can't really get. But I think YouTube is still a bigger platform. Um, if you're asking me, would I prefer a big YouTube show or a big TV show? I'd rather a big YouTube show. I I, I think the audience is is just it's uncapped, it's, it's you know, part, I can put a YouTube video up now and anyone in the world can watch it and Google it, you know, with TV, you know, you're, you're limited to a certain market to Ireland and then that channel and then that show. Um, not to say that I wouldn't, I don't plan on having my own TV show, absolutely, that's, that's they're all part and parcel, they're all part of the job, but I, I think people sleep on the importance of social media and the, the vast audience and opportunity there is on, on YouTube.
0: Well, I normally ask people, you know, who set up a business, um, how their perception versus reality differed. Um, You you would be kind of quite different because it kind of happened, you know, accidentally as such. But mm-hmm. in, in hindsight, when things, when you did start up with a business, how did, you know, things differ from the perception of how you thought it would, ha- you know, go and happen going forward versus the reality? Because business is is completely different you can never plan (laughs) plan for what's going to happen
1: yeah yeah yeah, absolutely that you can i could spend and this is what i always like. like people say when they want to start the business you know you have to just start planning is fantastic uh, Mm -hmm. and you need to plan and and you must prepare but no one's preparation can deal you for the real world scenario of business you know in the slightest things like something can go wrong. And if that goes wrong, then everything goes wrong. And you have to be there in person in that time to fix it. So, yeah, there was, there was lots of that. There, I was always very routine and, and systemized and, 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 you know, planned to a degree, but I was always very willing to just give it a go, figure it out as we go, you know, troubleshoot on the on the job. We'll say, you know, we do a catering event uh, instead of planning for six months and how we do it to the best ability. We know what we have to do. We go in we do it. We learn from our mistakes if we make mistakes and we know what we did well. And then next week, we do it again. We fix the mistakes. We continue to do what we did well. And that's how you build. I, I, that's how you build a good business, in, in my opinion. You know? Another person could have waited and waited and waited you know, and get the right staff, get the right equipment, get the right nice and forks. But well, he was like, not a hope, We're going in now. We're doing it. Um, and you know, it's, it's, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out when we're there you know that's that's been my catchphrase for about 60 years now like we'll figure it out when when shit hits the fan like <laughs> we'll figure it out get in there get stuck in and, and and you know nine times out of ten when you when you put yourself in there you can figure it out you know or, or it it, it figures itself out to a certain degree you know it's rare now we've we've never very rarely had a, occasions where it's just been disastrous like We've had hiccups. We've had bumps. We've had very slow months. We've had fails with contracts. We've had contracts we didn't get. But it's always like, grand. We tried. We we put we you know we put our hand up. We showed up. It didn't come our way. The next one will. And we just keep showing up and keep showing up. Um, and that's where you know consistency comes in. You know, you just have to be consistent with social media. You know, it comes with YouTube. We were consistent. Every week, post a video. I don't care if there's two views and Baldwin or my mother were posting over next weekend, and regardless. Uh, and it was just consistent. And over the span of months and years, that pays dividends then.
0: I was going to ask you, how did you go about developing a social media presence? Was it just as you highlighted there, just constantly throwing up content? And yeah, one thing you said. I least posted
1: every day. I posted twice a day, every day for, I think, a year, usually. That was it. That was my that was well definitely once a day, twice a day, Sunday morning even when I was in Malta. i I, mean, I used to it twice a day, but that was my that was my plan. You with Instagram every day, post. Uh no excuses. But like that sounds massive, but it was for me it was like ground on Sunday, I'm gonna draft up seven seven recipes. That was it then. The work was done for the week. Every night, cool, seven o'clock post, done. Next night, cool post, done. Like there's you know, there's, there's a commitment of it, but there's just being pre-organized and pre-planned mm-hmm. and, and being systemized. Um, and, you know, that, especially from a small like small starting point, it's grand now having, you know, however many followers. But back in the, back then, I, I mean, whatever, 500 followers, and they're all my friends. So you just have to, as I said, like the, I used to always tell myself, you know, I need to be the person that people associate with food. You know, when people talk about food, in Palace Henry, the small local village, they think of me in Limerick, you know, I want them to think of me in Ireland. I want to think of me in, you know, the plan is the world. When you think of DV Chef, I want my name to be number one. And you can't do that unless you're just consistent and you show up and, and, you know, you give them no options.
0: What's your feeling on, on, um, on social media at the moment? Um, look, obviously, Instagram has changed since, you know, since you started throwing all the content up there. Yeah. You know, algorithms and all that crack. What direction do you think it's going?
1: I think it's it's one of, like, I think it's one of the most powerful tools that we've ever had to start a business. You, you, you can see over lockdown, businesses have grown just from Instagram pages. And, and, you know, it's something that I always recommend to people is that if you want to start a business, start the page, start marketing, build an audience, build a brand and simply do it from that, you know, and there's so many integrations now where Instagram links with other apps, it links with Shopify, it links with everything, you know, it it is, we've never, I don't think there's ever been a time where it's been as easy to start a business or as easy to, to a degree to grow a business. Um, there's pros and cons to that and you have to be super conscious of it. Um, and I try and not get too delved into the apps themselves. You know, for me, Instagram is a business. It's my brand. I post it at the post. I would document some of my day, but I keep my personal life and private life usually off social media. Um, and, and I try not to get stuck in that rabbit hole of just scrolling down. Like I, I don't use Twitter um well i'm i'm there i have a presence on it mark the videographer was scheduled kind of to go up on it but i don't have the app um just because i i don't think for me i i don't find it a very beneficial space for what i do anyway but also i don't want to get stuck in the rabbit hole of of that negativity stuff um so instagram can be the same so i I limit myself you know I, i follow who I enjoy usually friends and close colleagues or pages, a post or to post, a document or to document that's it then um and you know I think that's how it's done right, whereas unfortunately if you're younger, younger 16 year old you're seeing these comparisons um you know you're, you're' you're you're comparing yourself to everyone in the world now and it's just it's this very generic highlight reel uh and you know i could I could play that role of. This is the high life that I live and just post the best parts of my days. Um, whereas, you know, I, I think it's far more beneficial to be transparent. And, you know, if I'm having a shit day, you say it. Or, you know, if, if something doesn't go right, you say it. And that's far more authentic and, and transferable. But to a degree, you know, we're we're blessed, in a sense, to have it. You know, it's never been a better time to start a brand or an easier platform to uh, start a podcast or anything you know but you have to be conscious of it you have to monitor yourself and and your own habits as
0: yeah, well thankfully back in our day it would have been just bebo and all that crack yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, yeah you know but it's uh it can be quite negative now you know for say 12 13 14 year olds of course yeah yeah it's scary world yeah it's scary and mental health aspects i say are you know mm-hmm. are going to be um quite quite interesting quite yeah. scary I, I don't, I, know.
1: I, I, I would imagine they will they will get better. Like, you know, it is a huge issue at the moment. And like the the statistics of, you know, suicide in, in young people correlated with social media is, is frightening. Um so I you know, I, I as bad as it is, I do think they will improve, but they have to improve regardless, mm-hmm. you know, there there is no ifs or buts. Side. Um and you can see how, how quick they are to react to Covid, and you know if you mention vaccine in your story uh tab comes up saying this is a covid related topic so i i would imagine in time to come if something is said that software can be used to flag something else like this is harmful content or blah 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 or this is hateful con- content so you know i don't that's not my world but i i i, I am i am Come, i mean i am optimistic that I do think it's here to stay. I do think it's it's the future of, of online business. And I think if you don't, if you're not using it to your use, then you're missing out. Uh, and then, please God, that you know it it does improve to a degree. But like, it's the platform is so big. You, you, it's it's hard to do.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. No, we're we're coming to the end now, and and thanks for this. But it's just a few more, uh, a few more things. I'd like to throw, throw throw to you and and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is an opportunity for likes yourself on LinkedIn down the line? Because it obviously has changed very much over the last couple of years.
1: Oh, absolutely. LinkedIn is is a huge part of our business. Um, for for a particular part of the business. So you know, I find it great for corporates and, and for virtual events, selling meals probably isn't great, LinkedIn. It's it's more official, it's more business, it's more corporate, B2B. Instagram is visual, it's eye-catching, that's where you'd sell the meals, sell the books, whatnot. Whereas LinkedIn, they all have their place it just takes time to figure out what part of your niche fits what platform.
0: You know, sometimes a lot of us don't... Um... Don't kind of remove yourself in situation whether it's entrepreneurs or whether it's you know people studying for exams, um you know from high stressful or high pressure situations. How do you mentally remove yourself from work and and wind down? Uh,
1: exercise. Exercise has been the only thing that I found that takes me out of my own head. Um, if I don't, if I miss a few sessions or if I don't exercise in a week, you know, I would I would not be myself. Like I'd be grumpy. I'll be out of touch, so exercise, and then usually it's just, I suppose you know finding things that I enjoy to do, like spending time with friends and family, meeting up the lads, going for maybe a few drinks, going for coffee. One of the boys, um you know, all these cues they 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 take me out of work to a degree, but unfortunately, when you have your phone in your pocket, and my mm-hmm. phone is my job, I hear pings, I hear emails, so you know that's why I find exercise is the one thing I do that gets me out of my head. that. that that gives me that mental clarity and you know, you, you get that surge of endorphins and, and and exercise is so beneficial and it plays a huge role in, in, in my job too. You know, I, I kind of feel like I need to be somewhat physically fit visually regardless, you know, to be able to sell what I'm selling. You know, I I always say like, you have to be proof in the pudding Um, Mm and you practice what you preach. You know, I, I sell healthy, convenient meals if I was overweight, it wouldn't be a good image. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so to a degree, no, I'm not, I'm not a stickler with that. And I'm very good relationship with food now, but you know, to a degree I do, I hold myself accountable in all those areas. Uh, and it definitely, it definitely helps.
0: Is leaving a legacy or a print on the food industry important for you? Yeah, or absolutely.
1: I, I always say, no, it's, it's, it's an easy one for me because okay. the answer is yes. Um, like I started young and I started with a bang and, and not that I, not that I upset, but I upset maybe the equilibrium of like, you know, this is how it's was done. I came in with a fist and be like, I'm a 21, 20 year old, blah, blah, blah. I have this business. Yeah. it Mightn't work. Takes off. Thank God. Gets a break on TV. It's been this gradual growth and growth. Um, but at the other side of things, you know, the, my job is, is to teach people how to cook, um, or it's supposed make people's lives easier at home in the kitchen. Uh, and we're doing that, you know, and, and as as good and all as it may look on paper or on social media, you know, I meet the people, I speak to the people and, and I see the benefit that they get from the demos um, or the cookery courses or the books. And one good example, and I won't dwell on this too long, but in the cookery school, um, and I always come back to this and it was kind of the changing point in my head. I, I worked in the cookery school in Limerick and, you know, three, whatever, two nights a week, we'd have classes in there. And it was grand coming I mean, to meet people, you know, often it was mothers, it was young, uh, you know, young middle-aged working class. And in one like there was this um, middle-aged man, maybe 40s, 50s. I thought, grand, maybe his wife sent him down there uh, to learn a few bits and bobs. And I started chatting to him, whatnot, not? And he was lovely. He said, oh, I'm not a great cook to be honest. He goes, to be honest, I'm only here. My wife passed away last year and I have three kids at home and, you know, I kind of, I need to get better at cooking. And I kind of stood back and was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I never saw that as something that might be an option here. But like, of course it is. And, you know, it was, I, I, I remember that night, like I was really shook after it. I was like, Jesus, that was after rocking me now. Like, and, it made me pay way more attention to what I was doing because I now had a responsibility. Um, you know, I I had you know I felt responsible to this man to be able to show him the basis of certain meals to go home and feed his kids because his wife had, had had passed away. Um, and you know, amplify that up to social media where you're, you know, thousands of people are, are watching and cooking meals and whatnot, and there is this level of responsibility that i take that like you know i'm helping a student who's moved out of college and now fending for themselves um you know it could be fending for a widow it could be it could be a busy working class single person it could be a fellow trying to impress his missus for valentine's day it could be anything um but you know it's my job that's 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 what i take as my job is is to be a helping hand to make life easier in the kitchen and you know it, it on the outside is, it's all it's just as post recipes, but but it isn't, you know. I I I don't treat it as that, you know. I treat it to be much more than that. Uh, and luckily, no, I I get to meet people, I get chat to, to people, I, I get the nice feedback in what recipes have helped people to do at home and cook for people and and whatnot. So, you know, that all falls into the legacy, and, and and of course, I'm competitive. Uh, I want to be the best. I want to be. You know, it, this isn't just a national thing. This this will be international. This will be, hopefully, everywhere in my name. So, you know, that's the fun of it. And and so long as I'm enjoying it, so long as I'm having fun, and this is what I still choose to do, um, then you know, sky's the limit.
0: You've, I, I, can see you're very much like me. You you enjoy the networking aspect of the whole thing as well. Um, would you mm. put a lot of emphasis on on networking?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's probably it's one of the most important parts you can have love you can have a great business I love business but if you're not meeting people and chatting to people and and you know that's nine times out of ten that's how you grow businesses is through networking so it it suits me because I'm a very chatty outgoing person uh an introvert would be the opposite i've always loved networking and loved meeting the people um not that i you know wouldn't have been slightly introverted in in the beginning of course you are it's it's nerve wracking but the more you do it and then you, know, you build your story and like I love telling my story it's, it's my life you know so uh, it's very easy for me
0: what to do this a similar question what does the future hold for, for Owen Sheehan would you see you I know you said you want to kind of get on the, the international stage um but would a restaurant cafe be an option for you as well
1: yeah I I, I never I'd never rule it out um you know, we never looked at it for for the immediate future. I was never on top of my list to open a restaurant. You know, as soon as I get a restaurant, then there's a lot of headaches, a lot of overheads, a lot of staff, there's a lot of responsibility to a certain area where, you know, the beauty with being your own brand and being somewhat virtual is that you, you can travel, you're kind of everywhere, and you're open to a huge audience. Open a restaurant in Limerick, you're somewhat open, you're somewhat close to an audience in Limerick to a degree. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out. And, and I do think like the, the industry and the market is changing and growing so much, you know, something will have my name on it in time to come. Now, whether it's a restaurant or a cafe or whatever at the time, I think is the right option, it could, food truck, it could be anything, you know, um, I don't know. And I'm not pushed to figure it out until the time comes. Um, I'm confident that when the time comes, something will be there uh i've always had this thing in my head like you know i'd like to have a big brand and audience first and then open the doors and fill it as opposed to start where i started a couple of years ago like if i if i had opened a restaurant when i was just starting off you're starting from scratch and you're just you know you're building from there with all of the pressures of a that a restaurant brings you know i i started a restaurant with no seats which is country one should we just sell meals we sell dinners, but you can't sit down. You have to take it away and eat it at home. Uh, and it saves a lot of headache and stress for us. So I don't know what the future holds, but, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for growth. You know, I'm never happy to just kind of sit back and relax and settle. I, I in You know, for us, it's like, this is working. What's the next thing? You know, TV is going great. How can we do more? you know what we're working on a youtube show we're working on a studio in limerick we'd like to get the meal prep service to go nationwide uh the more tv the better there's a few smaller side projects in food that i'm involved in that i'd be overseeing um there's books there's lots there's, there's 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 always stuff to be doing stuff to be done but as i said there this is stuff that i genuinely love to do uh and the day that i stop enjoying it i'll stop you know or i'll change or i'll pivot but i work for myself because i enjoy it and if i don't enjoy it then i won't do it
0: perfect perfect no, it, it seems to be the natural progression at some stage of of um you know the life of chefs you see jamie oliver yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah. but things change markets change yeah. we, we live in a social media driven world now it could be you know i would not be surprised if if in five years time You know, restaurants were on the way out and uh, virtual systems were on the way in or delivery services or, you know, you have the likes of Uber Eats, Just Eat and Deliveroo. They are a trillion market uh, value, you know, they're they're only growing and not the restaurants are on the way out. But I wouldn't be surprised if something new came up in the the next few years.
0: I always throw this to the guests um, just to close out the, the podcast and um, looking again, we appreciate taking time out because I know we kind of went, went over, over the limit, That's but um, what are two non-negotiables for you in a personal capacity, first of all? Hmm, good question. Um, I always get people, uh, <laughs> yeah, crazy answers, but it's just out of interest.
1: I swear. okay, in, in a day-to-day, scenario so on a personal point of view non-negotiables would be exercise in some degree um now it might be every day like but maybe on a weekly block like a non-negotiable it's like you know, I I I have to train x amount of times or I have to make football training whatever Tuesday and Friday and get to the gym twice um they're usually you know non-negotiables um and then probably what I eat you know I, I I watch what I eat to a degree and I make sure that I'm well fueled and I always find out if I'm eating shit and I'm I'm probably feeling pretty shit too. So I watch what I eat and, and, and I plan ahead. And I'm lucky I have a business that can help me do that if I'm stuck and you know I'll just grab a meal from Country Munch. But um, you know, I'll be somewhat planned and, and 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 set up for the week ahead and make sure that I'm fueling myself well so I can do my job right uh and I'm fueling my training so my training's going well and, and that's all there's a synergy to that. Um I'm sure there's lots more non-negotiables, but top of my head there are definitely two there are two every week that I w- will think about you know on the weekends it's like I'll do a food shop what I'll eat this week and then when when am I going to train
0: this week then from a business perspective what would be two non non two daily non-negotiables yeah
1: would... Um, I would think that you know non-negotiable would be contact on social media in that messages and emails, you know, if people are reaching out, I'd like to try and get back to them as soon as possible. There's people could hear that now who've been trying to reach out to me, and I haven't replied to email in four weeks. There's a, you know there's a system to that. Like if people are reaching out with inquiries on our socials, you know we will will we'll, we'll emphasize getting back to them because that's you know that's an avenue for sales. You know, your answer to question you're plugging a sales, you're probably getting an order. Um, so, you know, I suppose social media and, and, and engagement with the audience is probably a better way of describing that, you know, engaging. Um, that's a pretty non-negotiable. You, know? you kind of have to be in touch. And if you're just ignoring the noise, then you're not really seeing what's going on inside the business. You know, you're, you're just kind of wishful thinking that everything's going well. Whereas if I have four messages from customers saying, this wasn't delivered, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that has to be fixed straight away. I can't just ignore that until Thursday. So, you know, being, I suppose, conscious enough to delve into the important points and then all of the other stuff does get replied to eventually. Um, so that's definitely non negotiable. Um, and and the other one would be structure. I, I can't just willy-nilly jump out of bed and be like, what will I do today? It's kind of like, I need the night before. I need to know grand as. At 11 o'clock, we have a drop to the Munster camps, and at half two, we have a drop. So that means I need to reverse engineer. So if half 11 is a drop, probably eight o'clock, we need to be there. We need to be prepping. We need to be packing for about 11. We've gone on the door at 11 15. Um, then I might have a call at 3 30. So if I need to prep for that from 3 30, I need to train for an hour. So that's the way that, that I am, and everyone's different, but if I wake up and be like, "I'll just figure it out as, as the day goes on, that's when shit hits the fan like you know because then you're like, "Oh shit, I've a podcast in half an hour, fuck I have a call now in ten minutes um and for me, that's you know the night before or the early mornings when I'm planning that you know i'm 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 watching what's going on and um i'm I'm scheduling my day, and that's where I'm scheduling in or I'm making sure they I get free time then because if I don't schedule, I'll just keep working throughout the night or, you know, I, I, I'll i easily work until six or seven answering emails whereas if I schedule in, okay, and emails have been done between two and three and what you don't get done today, you'll do tomorrow morning Um, and, you know, you're scheduling in, you know, five o'clock, stop, um, you know, try and be finished for five because when I was younger, there was none of that. It was just like, this is what we have to do, a list length of my arm, don't stop until it's done, and then go to bed and keep doing that list until the morning. Um, and that's, that. you know, there's methods to that to a degree, you know, you might have five things to do and well, I'll just keep working until I those five things done. And I know it won't take me all day, but you can get caught in this vicious cycle of, ah yeah, another hour, another hour, I'll work at seven. Okay, I'll, just, I'll go at nine, I'll stop then. And then, you know, you're working seven days a week, 12 months a year.
0: And it's going to definitely want to affect your your mental health as well in in some some manner yeah absolutely look on we'll we'll finish it up there um went well over the the limit as we we discussed but look um i really appreciate it i think we we covered a huge amount and look best look with yourself and with country munch going forward
1: Love i appreciate it thank you very much man.
0: i'll catch you again i hope you all enjoyed that interview with on I think it's very interesting. We really get great insight into his business and uh you know what he has planned for going forward. Look, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank Owen for coming on the Inside View Podcast and best of luck with everything going forward. That is all from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute in any way possible. You can email us, info on the ball teambuilding.com. You can follow us on social media. So over on Instagram, it's at underscore on the ball team building. Over on Facebook, it's on the ball team building. Over on Twitter, it's at We Are On The Ball2. That's a digit two. You will also find us on TikTok on the ball team building. And you we're also on LinkedIn on the ball team building. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week with another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember credit on it fan. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.